1: Welcome to Koshu, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. I want to thank you for listening on 103.1 or on your favorite podcast or at the YouTube channel or the Facebook page. We really appreciate you joining us to be inspired by so many incredible leaders here in Coastal Mississippi. There's just so much to share, and it takes so much amazing leadership to, uh, to make a great community like Coastal Mississippi tick. Walt Disney once said, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. You know, you can, you can achieve your goals if you have the courage to take the first step. Um, uh, someone once said this about entrepreneurship. Uh, his name was Roy Ash. This is what it said. An entrepreneur tends to bite off a little more than they can chew, hoping he'll quickly learn how to chew it. I think, uh, I think about that, that you have to reach high with your goals and not fear ambiguity. As a former CEO for the last 15 years of my life and my career, I can certainly relate to that. And, uh, and then, the, then the last thing I want to share is from Mandy Hale. There is nothing more beautiful than someone who goes out of their way to make life beautiful for others. If you travel across the coast of Mississippi, you'd be hard-pressed not to see a Machado Patano engineering architecture sign. Uh, They're a multidiscipline architecture and engineering firm. They're headquartered in Biloxi, but they're doing work across the United States, especially in the Southeast. Their story is one of of, uh, courage and entrepreneurship and a commitment to excellence. And their commitment to design that creates a better sense of place in coastal Mississippi and around the country is, to put it simply, inspiring. Their story is one of focus and growth and a commitment to coastal Mississippi as well. On a number of levels, it's extraordinarily impressive. David Machado is the principal and founding member of the Machado-Pitano uh, group. And Brad Patano is a partner in the firm. And I'm thrilled this morning to have both David and Brad on Coast View. Good morning, guys. How are you doing this morning? Morning, Ricky. Good morning. Thanks, Ricky. It's good. It's, it's good to see you guys. Hey, so there's a lot to unwrap. I've always been fascinated by your firm. And the fact that you've been able to grow so rapidly and you have such a great brand, I'm I'm personally looking forward to learning more from you guys about your journey. So in the first segment, we're going to learn more about you. In the second segment, we're going to talk about some of the projects that you've been involved in with both in coastal Mississippi and across the U.S. And in the third segment, we're going to talk specifically about the coastal Mississippi region and then some of the trends that you guys are seeing both before and after the pandemic that create opportunity for us. And in the last segment, we're gonna talk a little bit about inspiration. You know, what what advice do you have for young en- entrepreneurs, et cetera? So with all that said, David, let's let's start with you. How did you decide you wanted to get into engineering?
2: Well, it started uh because I wanted uh I had a my dentist was a guy that got to go fishing every Friday. So that was all me. Uh, I said, Man, I want to do dentistry. Well, I found out pretty quick that uh my brain doesn't work well with chemistry and things I don't see. So I decided to uh, shift my focus into something that I can visualize and see. And so um, that's kind of how I got into engineering. That's just kind of the way my brain uh, operates and thinks. And and so, you know, once I got past uh, the hope of having off every Friday to go fishing, I decided to pursue engineering. <laughs>
1: So uh, you went to State, and it's interesting, in in your bio, you talk a little bit about how you had this dream of having your own firm. Now, Mm -hmm. you didn't just go out and start your own firm. You went and did some legwork. You got some experience at multiple different kinds of uh, businesses. But um, were you always a dreamer? I think so. Um,
2: I've always, once I got to Mississippi State and started pursuing engineering, you know, you're surrounded by a lot of people who have the same common goal, the same work ethic same focus. And so it kind of, uh, you know, encourages you to work a little harder to do a little better. Um, you know, your competitive juices kind of get going and, and you want to excel among the group that, that you're associated with. And, and uh, Mississippi state does a really good job of, uh, you know, encouraging people to excel. They, they bring in professors that have real world experience uh, and so you're immediately introduced, even in an academic world, to what the uh, the real world is like. We had a, a structures professor up there um, that, you know, basically only gave tests after hours late at night, you know, about eight o'clock at night uh, is whenever he would issue his tests. And you kind of like wonder when you're doing that, like why in the world does he do these tests at night? But then you get out in the real world and you got to go to these meetings and these functions and, and you still got to do your workload and everything. And you kind of figure out why they do the things they do and challenge you the way they do, because it's, it's ultimately the real world.
1: Well, you went on to actually got out of school. You went to Moran Seymour and associates. You did some work with Karuba engineering. You worked, did some work at Nikkei's uh, brothers, Mm -hmm. but I was interested to see that after Hurricane Katrina, it's, it's so interesting because Katrina changed all of us in some yep. way or another. It changed all of us. And it, I'm sure it changed your vision for things and how you see the world. But you were so active in the post-Katrina effort that you ultimately actually did a congressional testimony about how government contracts work. Um, it, it, so some total of those things, and especially Katrina, really, I, I think, heightened your sense of awareness about you, what, what you wanted to do with your life, didn't it?
2: It certainly did, uh, you know those were I look back on it now and and I don't really know how we did what we did after Katrina, but I you know I just think it it uh, shows the character of, of the coast, certainly, and, and it wasn't just me, it was a, a you know multitude of people um, but those those times were some of the most challenging times of my life, and I guess I didn't realize it until I was years removed from it, when we were working ninety hours a week. Um, and, and you know, with limited resources and and you know sleeping on floors and generators running buildings and fighting for fuel and you know just all kind of all kind of things and challenges that that happened uh, you know I think when I look back and I was telling somebody this other day, I mean I worked you know seven days a week uh, for about eight months straight immediately after katrina and um, but it's just what you had to do and and, and at the time. You don't really think about what you're doing, but then when you remove yourself, and I think about it now, uh, you know, six close to 16 years later, um, I just I hope I I don't have to do it again. But I'm sure if <laughs> but it we, had would, to, you know, we would, <laughs>
1: but Haley Barber
2: often the opportunity said after, that I have now.
1: Yeah, I, Haley Barber often said after Katrina that the that the storm didn't create character, but it revealed character. And then what, what we have here in coastal Mississippi is this ability to dig deep. That 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 this whole notion of resiliency is really in our DNA. And when you, when it, it's hard to describe it if you haven't been there before, if you don't understand what it's like to work those seven days a week and you know you know endless months, you know, just it it creates something within you a drive, a determination. I often talk about dogged determination on this show. But it is it is a character-creating, a revealing uh, process for sure. Hey, so Brad, let's come over to you. So how did you decide to get into engineering?
3: So uh, just in school, um, science and math was kind of a strength for me. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do. But my, my father worked out at DuPont. He had worked out there his entire life. And my stepdad worked for an engineering firm. I actually worked for Moran Seymour, um, where David worked after college. And so I had grown up seeing that. And knew that that was an opportunity so went to mississippi state knew i wanted to go there and also knew they had a really good engineering program um so i went ahead and enrolled in the engineering program and then got in the co-op program up there um so i co-op at a chemical plant in columbus mississippi for um, a year and that was an interesting experience and what it really taught me was that um, engineering was for me but going to a plant every day might not be um, and so, you know, it was a great experience because I, I probably, I was actually majoring in chemical engineering, um, which would have not put me here in this chair today if I had followed the chemical engineering route. So I changed my major to electrical because it, it I felt like it gave me a few more opportunities after graduation. And um, so, yeah, so it worked out good.
1: Well, what's so cool about your story and why I think it's so inspiring and impressive and important is that you both, you know, grew up here. And uh, your, your native sons that have done really well. And one of the things that we talk about on the show a lot is, and one of our strategic challenges as a region, is to stop brain drain. Too many of our young people have to go get educated and then leave, the, you, you know, leave uh, Mississippi in order to achieve their goals in life. And one of the things that we're really focused on here in Coastal Mississippi is stopping that. And there's a lot of ways we can stop it. If we, could, you know, we spent whole shows shows talking about it. But you guys are a great example of. How, if you have a commitment to Coastal Mississippi, you have a commitment to success, that you can do it here. And then, and then you, know, you can make this your base of operation and grow from there. But I think when you guys started your firm in 2007, so it's really interesting. Katrina Hiss in 2005, 2006. David, you're heavily involved in the aftermath. You even do the congressional testimony. And then the next year in 2007, you kind of move on the dream you had while you were at Mississippi State University. How did you guys know each other? Where did that connection come?
2: We knew each other from state. Um, we, we had a mutual friend It was actually my roommate. Uh, at Mississippi State, and uh, he and Brad knew each other pretty well, and uh, so um, you know we went to a lot of football games, a lot of baseball games together. You know, Brad and I both have a passion, not only for Mississippi State, but particularly for Mississippi State sports. It's uh, you know sometimes it's great and sometimes it's not, but nevertheless we're we're in it to you know no matter what.
1: When you when you started your firm, you saw it as sort of a small civil engineering and surveying firm. I don't think probably at the time you had any imagination that you would become this all-encompassing multi-dimensional firm that as you are today when we come back after the break i want to continue the conversation about the evolution of machado batano and begin to talk a little bit more about some of the projects you guys are involved in we'll be back with brad and david after this break
0: talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast
1: 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We're telling the story of Machado Patano this morning. We have Brad and David here with us. And uh, what a great story it is. David, I noticed when I was reading the one about entrepreneurship, the one that said an entrepreneur entrepreneur tends to bite off a little more than they can chew, hoping they'll quickly learn how to chew it. I noticed you giggled when, when I read that. It's true, isn't it? It's
2: it describes me and Brad to a T. I mean that that's uh, something that we laugh about a lot. Like, oh Lord, what do we sign ourselves up for? But you know, we're very gritty and grinders, and we we just never give up. And and we we love challenges, and we're very competitive. And and I think that's some of the story of our success.
1: I think you know that's a that that whole notion of determination and having a vision of what you want to see. And then being being willing to sort of learn what's over the next horizon, and then you know I'm sure there's a lot of times when you see the ambiguity of whatever that new goal is, you go, "There's no way we can do that." Mm. But then you just take the step and go go try to tackle the next the next uh, hill, And before you know it, in two thousand and thirteen, you guys were actually adding MP Design Group and which was architectural design firm, and you were you were created for yourselves, literally a, a turnkey design capability. So we're going to come to that in a second. But when you started in 2007, um, how fast was it before you realized you were owned to something and the growth opportunities could be dramatic for you?
2: Well, it it was certainly a challenge because, you know, if you remember, there was the the recession started, the downturn, and then, but what really saved our area at that, or I I say saved our area, but saved or helped my business was uh, the fact that all the housing, uh, really had to come back, you know, all the houses we lost on the beach and in and the velocity zones and things like from the hurricane really drove a demand for uh, some some housing developments. And there was a lot of money that funneled down to the coast uh, during that time. So those were some of the things that really helped me get by. But I, I did learn very quickly that I was young. Um, there was a lot of questions about my youth at that time. I knew that we had to have some sort of competitive advantage that would separate us and, and give somebody a reason maybe to use us over somebody else, which is kind of how uh, Brad and I hooked up. And there's some, you know, uh, projects in civil where electrical and civil really make a lot of sense. And so we, we tried to uh, really align and partner up on that end so that we could be more competitive.
1: So, yeah, it's interesting because that, that's, that's what I see your competitive advantage being. And what's interesting about what you did, if you would have evaluated the competitive landscape completely, you probably would have been uh, reluctant to go tackle it the way you guys tackled it, because there are a lot of really established firms out there that uh, have relationships and abilities that maybe at the time you didn't have. But ultimately, what you did is you became a civil, structural, mechanical, electrical and surveying service, and then you added architecture to that, and uh, that evolution. and If you look, at, go back and look at it, you know just over a short period of time, that evolution became something way bigger than you expected when you started your business to begin with, didn't it?
2: It, it certainly did. And um, there was a lot of heart to hearts uh, with Brad and I before we really decided to go out on on the on the limb, so to speak, and and bring in the architecture because a lot of Brad's business and his relationships relied with some of the the architecture firms and providing them consulting, uh, on electrical portions of a project. Um, so it was really for, for him, you know, I can't imagine I know how important my relationships and my clients are to me and my ask of him and our, our kind of, uh, you know, joint effort on that was a more way more of an ask on his part than my part. And so, um, you know, I remember the day that we we had that conversation and said, "Are we going to do this or not?" And he looked at me and he said, "I'm in 100." percent And we, you know, we never looked back. And you know, thankfully, that was really the pivotal point for us as as our our growth pattern went, and uh, it was really a game changer for us. It took a while to get it figured out and get it right, but
1: you know, but you know, it goes back to now. goes back to that quote from Walt Disney that you know, if you you know, if you you can you can dream it. But then you have to have the courage to go deal with it. And Brad, it sounds like you didn't have a lot of hesitation. And I heard what he said, that it was going to create some strain with some of the relationships you guys had, because now you were going to be bringing in a capability that might be competitive with them.
3: Yeah, it was, absolutely. Um, it, it, it completely changed the dynamic of, of who I had to solicit for work. Um, but it, it made all the business sense in the world. Um, really, we looked at it. and And, you know, our business has been built off relationships and building relationships. And so we knew that we had the capability to go build those relationships from the ground up. And, and instead of working, you know, second tier to the owner, this gives us an opportunity to work directly with the owner, which is a much better position for us and allows for us to grow a lot faster. Um, so, you know, it, it really, from a business standpoint, when you're working for other, you know, other consultants, uh, you can't control your income because you, you're relying on them to get the work so that they hire you. And then you really can't control your your expenses because you don't know how difficult the project's gonna be, how many times you're gonna have to do it, because that that control resides with, you know, the people that we were working for who were then working for the owner. Um, so from a business standpoint it made sense. So yeah, I was I was good.
1: So why don't we do this? Let's look at a couple of the projects you guys have done. And Kyle Curley, the producer of the show, he'll be showing some photographs for the radio audience. We'll do our best to describe what it is we're seeing. This is for the Facebook and YouTube audience but Kyle this is the first one tell me about that what we're going to do is kind of go through this in really rapid form but Brad what is this one
3: Yeah, so that's a a clinic for Memorial. Um, So we we had we've kind of ridden different waves uh, of work where there's, you know, a lot of work going on in a certain sector. We kind of were able to jump in there. And this is where we got in on some medical work. Memorial was kind of expanding over into the Jackson County area. And so we did a a medical park off Cook Road. And I think there's about four or five buildings that we did there. And this was um, the first one of those.
1: I talk about sense of place on my show all the time, and and uh, before we go, well, that's okay, Kyle. You can leave it there. But one of the things I talk about sense of place that each of the communities that make up Coastal Mississippi has a unique sense of place, and that's what makes it special. But when you add it all up into Coastal Mississippi, this creates an incredibly diverse, um, you know, this incredibly diverse uh, experience here and feeling. That 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 clinic, for example, did a great job of sort of capturing the architecture of coastal Mississippi. And that was important. It must've been important to the client because it clearly you accomplished that goal. Is that true? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, this next one is tell me about this one, David.
2: So this is a, uh, this is long beach high school. Um, and this was a, a really, really great project that was much needed uh, over in long beach. I believe Brad helped me out here, but that their original school was built in 1957 ish. Right I believe, and it had been added on to over the years, and they were just really in a challenging spot uh got a bond issue passed in the community and um this is a uh twenty eight million dollar high school um that's actually the construction is ongoing now um but it was it's been such an exciting project because the community has just gotten so behind it and so excited about it and the the school district obviously is as well teachers um you know superintendent the board everybody is just really excited about this project and, and it's really going good and i believe we're scheduled to finish it up in
1: uh august of this year that's that's awesome that's awesome kyle's from long beach and i noticed he added the slide that's that's <laughs> the way he is man yeah. Uh, he's he's always focused on trying to make sure the story is told, but I'm sure he's proud of that story that that uh, school as well. What's the next one, Brad?
3: So this is a fire station. This is a Gulfport fire station here. Um, we we've, we've done several fire stations and police stations, and really enjoy the the relationship that we have with um, with the local governments around here, and especially law enforcement and public safety. You um, know, we did the Deaverville police station and fire station, and uh, and Gulfport as well. So. Um, really good project, uh, had a
2: great contractor and and great owner.
1: it's it's really that's a really cool design as well. So David, what about the next one?
2: So this is the Biloxi Performing Arts Center, uh, and this is on the campus of Biloxi High School. We actually just finished this up a, a couple months ago, and um, yeah for for me, this is the the best display of architecture that I think we've done as a firm and this one, and I know that I, I speak on behalf of Brad on this cause we've talked about it. It's the one we're probably the proudest of. It, it was a very uh, challenging project with a lot of moving parts. Um, you know, when you start getting into the acoustics and the lighting and, and then all the codes on top of that uh, for a structure and a facility like this, uh, it was really challenging. Uh, but again, we had a great local contractor uh, here, that that did an amazing job with it, and it was a great partnership, and and we really really are proud of that project.
1: Well, I've seen that Some pictures that have been taken from the foyer there, mm-hmm. and that's I think that's probably what you what you're thinking about when you think about how 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 proud you are of it. It's so uniquely done. The stairway and how that all fits into the foyer. Really mm-hmm. terrific job. Why don't we do this? This is this is a uh, Brad Patano and. David Machado of Machado Patano, and we're going to continue our conversation about projects, and then and then turn the conversation to Coastal Mississippi for a bit, and um, and you know we'll continue the, the uh, conversation on the other side. Thanks for joining us.
4: Broadcasting safe and sound from the Coastal Mississippi studios. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk one hundred three point one. you on super talk 103.1 is brought to you by allen toyota on i-10 exit 38 gulfport see all of the incredible inventory at AllenToyota.com, and remember when you think toyota think allen toyota
0: He's the former president and publisher of the Sun Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coastview with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk, Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Welcome back to Coastview. We have David Machado and Brad Patano, uh, Machado Patano, and we're telling their incredible story. And it really drives home the point, as Walt Disney pointed out. All our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. And this really applies to anyone in life. No matter what your goals are, just have the courage to pursue them. When we went to break, we were sort of going through some of these projects. And so, Kyle, why don't you pop up the next project? And um and you you guys can tell me about this one. What is this?
2: So that's the uh the sportsplex at uh, uh they had arranged, you know, some property uh acquirements uh, from Harrison County and worked out some interlocal agreements on on that. And uh, that's been a, a outstanding facility um, that they host a lot of uh, baseball tournaments and soccer and, and all that kind of good stuff. And it's really been a, a great facility. Um, and it's up there on Highway 15, just north of D'Iberville.
1: It's very unique, and I love the way it creates sort of an economies of scale of how all the various um, um, fields are kind of brought into this common area where people can be together. It's pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool thing. What's the next one, uh, Brad?
3: That that's West Jackson County. Um, I think that I can say it looks like West Jackson County utility districts, um, office there. Um, that was, Really one of the first projects I think that that and Blexi Junior High really kind of helped us transition from an engineering firm into a full service architecture and engineering firm. We had done work with the and that's the Blexi Junior High right there. That's that's the one that really I think put us on the map from a statewide perspective as as a firm that could compete in the architecture world. We had done some work with the Blexi School District before on parking lots and the same thing with um, utility district. We had done some civil projects. And so to get those opportunities to do those buildings. Uh, that that was big for us and really helped us move to the next level.
1: Good. Kyle, the next one. Wow. This is a big one. This, we're we're looking at a picture of the East bank at in of Ingalls.
2: Yeah, Ricky, that was a, a huge, huge impact to Pascagoula. Uh, you know, if you're familiar with the story of the East bank, that is actually where Ingalls originated um, back in the thirties and, and actually, they grew over into the West Bank, which is kind of what everybody knows as Ingalls now. But in 2005, Hurricane Katrina, going back to some of those conversations, absolutely decimated uh, the East Bank. And, you know, in the shipbuilding world, real estate is the most valuable thing that they have. And this was just a big, mothballed, couple hundred acre site that sat you know, for years after Katrina, and now it's, it's uh, you know, reinvigorated, and they've got uh, all these facilities over there now, they've got employees, which, you know, believe it or not, it is a big impact to Pascagoula, because those guys that are working over, the guys and girls working over there, they're going to lunch and, you know, in the community and stuff like that, so this has been a really, really important project for Pascagoula on the coast.
1: Yeah, Ingalls. The, the story of Ingalls, which I've had the opportunity to share here, they're they're both with Jerry St. Pay and, and and others. Mm-hmm. Um, their partnership with this with the state of Mississippi is unique, and um, what the state has done in partnership with Ingalls and and other partners to create really a a world class shipbuilding facility there is really incredible. Hey, show that other one real quick, Kyle. That's the that's the 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 uh, rolling covers. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, so as I talked about earlier, being most proud from standpoint of the Biloxi Performing Arts, I think I'm most proud of the rolling cover project from an engineering standpoint. This is one of five covered work areas uh, that we did out at, out at Ingalls. And the whole premise behind this is where they build sections of the ships in these areas of the yard. They're subject to extreme heat in the summertime and rain. And all of those things significantly affect production. And with the rolling cover work areas, what they're able to do is open the covers of these uh, these work areas, drop in pieces of the ship, do their work on them in a shaded environment that drops ambient temperature about 15 degrees and also keeps the rain out. So their production increase in these areas has been really significant. I've heard uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 percent increase production. So these are, these projects, the rolling covers from an engineering standpoint, probably what I'm most proud of. That's pretty cool. Anything to add, Brass?
3: Yeah, Ricky, you talk about an entrepreneur bites off more than he can chew and
2: then hopes he can learn to chew.
3: And And that project is absolutely that. And when David and I originally talked about it, Ingalls had approached us and wanted a, a feasibility study about whether or not it could be done. And, um, and so we are talking, I said, you mean like a stadium with the cover, that, the roof that rolls back, like that type of rolling cover? <laughs> and um, so, yeah, we bit off um, more than we knew how we were going to figure out how to chew that one up. But, uh, you know, did one and then did several
1: more. So it was a good well, man, example. Look, that's how innovation happens. Yeah. Innovation happens yeah. because people are willing to see something, do something that hasn't been done before and find a way to do it and find a way to use your skills to do it. and. It's exciting. The video, one of the videos you guys shared, you could tell they're very proud of it and that it's really helped the workers in the way you guys intended it to. And what a great partnership that is. Um, and let's shift gears a bit. I, I, I talk about coastal Mississippi all the time. And one of the things I talk about is something that Matthew McConaughey is behind. He's, he's been actually named the Minister of Culture in Austin. And what he says is that there are these, these, these enduring attributes of a community that, that are the things that bring us together. They're the reasons why everybody comes together. He says if we're looking to come together on political, you know, polit- on the political dimension, we're going to lose before we even get started. That what we need to do is get away from the political and remind ourselves that it's these enduring values that keep us together. David, when you think about Coastal Mississippi and the values that are enduring, what do you think about
2: for me, it's resiliency. Um, we've had Hurricane Katrina. We've had BP oil spill. We've had, um, you know, now the pandemic. And I, I I'm never ceased to be amazed at the resiliency of the, uh, the people of coastal Mississippi, the leadership of coastal Mississippi. I feel like we are just a group of folks that are always willing to roll up our sleeves and face the challenges that we have. And um, you know, unfortunately, that's I, I'm. I think that's when the best of us come out is when we're faced with adversity. And I would love to see us put our energy in having that uh, same attitude when when we're trying to accomplish things that are you know good for growth in the community. Um, but I think our resiliency is just something that you can't. Nobody's. Been given as many punches as as we have.
1: I can't agree more. I can't agree more. Worst all spill in American history, the biggest natural disaster in American history, and Katrina. But what Matthew McConaughey points out is that. This, this concept of capturing these things and then marketing them back to the people so we don't have to have a disaster to remind us that we can work together. Right. That there's a, there's a, literally a marketing campaign to remind us what these attributes are and why we should stay together, that that's our competitive advantage as a region. He says that concept is transportable, and I agree with him. I think it's a, it's a great goal. Brad, what do you think about when you think about Coastal Mississippi?
3: Yeah, I think it's self-reliance, which kind of goes back to what David said. I mean, you know, we, we rebuilt um, this coast several times and, and really have done it without the, you know, we've been a landmass, right? I mean, we've been kind of forgotten about on the national landscape, but we've just overcome that ourselves and moved on. And, and I think that, you know, the one thing that we've got here, I think, that brings all of us together is, is the water, you know, is our environment and what we've got. And I think that, you know, if we can find a way to, to work to... Um, responsibly develop, you know, things like Marina Cantina over in Gulfport. I mean, those types of things really bring people together around around the coast of, of the water. And so if we can find a way to to work together to responsibly develop our coastline, um, it really gives us something that we've got to market and show off.
1: I definitely agree. And as we were talking about earlier, this whole notion of, of uh, stopping the brain drain, that uh, what Eric Hill from, you know, the Center for Entrepreneurship at Mississippi State and others say that, that the 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 opportunity for us to attract technology jobs that can do be done remotely from all over the United States even all over the world because our quality of life our standard of living being low excuse me our our cost our cost of living being low that the opportunities for us especially given this is a coastal community that we have this opportunity and there's a lot of people talking about this with mixed use developments and other other possibilities there is a tremendous opportunity strategically for us to, to take this coastal community, this paradise as George slogan and others talk about it uh, to an entirely new level i mean it that is real isn't it david it's
2: it's a hundred percent real and and to you know further echo some of the points you made, the school districts that we have you know we we work a lot with school districts, and you know we have the top school districts in the state, most of them right down here on the coast, so um, we have every opportunity here to excel and every opportunity here to grow. Um, and if we can tap into the togetherness that that we experience uh, in times of adversity, whenever there's opportunity in front of us, I just think our, our potential
1: is unstoppable. Uh, man, we're so much stronger together. We're so much stronger together. And when there used to be a lot of competition between the communities, and to some extent, you want some of that. But you have to have the ability to sort of rise above each of the communities and see them as a collective force. And then then you really understand with Ingalls and Stennis and Tourism and Cenos and all the other, and the quality of life, from being a coastal community, those things come together to create an economic engine for this state. And man, we are we are so uniquely and powerfully uh, uh, positioned. Hey, when we come back, this is uh, uh, David Machado and Brad Patano of uh, Machado Patano. We're going to continue the story and talk about advice they might have for young entrepreneurs. We'll see you after this break.
4: Broadcasting safe and sound from the Coastal Mississippi studios. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk
0: 103.1. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast
1: View. I have uh, David Machado and Brad Patano, a Machado uh engineering firm, uh, architecture and engineering firm. They're a full-service engineering and architecture company. And what I was telling them during the break, I never know exactly where these conversations are going to go. But there's so many lessons to learn in this conversation about tenacity and determination, about innovation about why it's important to think powerfully as a region, but also protect our sense of place. Uh, man, we, we, it, what, a, what a terrific conversation it's been. So, David, if you were to sit down with a young entrepreneur who's about to tackle an idea, what advice do you have for him? I
2: think the biggest thing for me that just really defined Brad and I's journey is let the people who tell you no be the fuel of your fire. We, we got told no so many times and that it would have been really easy for us to just say, well, that's just, you know, we're barking up the wrong tree. It's just not going to work. Um, but what we did is we took it and made it our fuel to say, okay, we're going to show you that we can do this. And you have to have that attitude because there's so many failures and there's so many people that are going to tell you no uh, when you go try to do your own thing and, you know, you, you're going to be different and, and they're going to look at you uh, because they don't know you. Um, but just, just let that be the fuel to your fire.
1: That's a, that's a great advice. And uh, I got told no, a lot in my life as well. And I even mentioned yesterday after Katrina, there were a lot of reasons to you know, not feel great about where we're going, but when someone said, no, you can't do that, that we just all became bulldozers. You know, I mean, we just I mean, you couldn't tell us we couldn't do it. And that was the beauty. All these all these incredible leaders that came together who had one goal in mind. And I was rebuild this coast as quickly as we could. And we would not take no for an answer. I can assure you But that's great advice. Brad, what, what, what advice would you have?
3: So I would say from a practical standpoint that, you know, when you're young in your career, there's always a void that you can fill if you're working for a company, um, you know, find out what it is and that that company is a little bit weaker in than other areas and, and make yourself um, be valuable in that area. Um, and that's kind of what I did whenever I was working for a smaller business. I found the areas that they were weaker in and I kind of built my own value there. And then whenever we started our own business, it was, you know, David and I kind of saw a, a void in the market of there was no full service engineering and architecture firm. It just didn't exist. So it was, it wasn't, I'm not going to say it was easy, but it was, it was an easy opportunity to spot. And then we just had to take advantage of it and kind of build from that. So find those voids in the market and take advantage of those.
1: Nothing worth having is ever easy. I mean, that's just the reality. And what you what you're describing is something I've often said, and that is just be a human sponge. Just continue mm-hmm. to soak up around you. And I believe that life is a journey of continuous learning that we literally never arrive. And the more we learn, the more we better learn how much we don't know. And I know, as you guys, as principals in a major firm like this, you know this extremely well. I mean, there's I mean, there's no way you can learn it all. That mm-hmm. that learning more should make you humble, shouldn't it, David?
2: it should. and And this business is very humbling at times. Um and any and anything like you said, Ricky, anything hard that's worth doing is is going to be that way uh, at some point along the journey. Uh, but you know, it, it, it ends up being what defines you. It ends up being what defines your culture of your company, and uh, those adversities are. The way I tell, and me and Brad do this all the time, tell our people uh, we're not perfect, and the adversity that we face in projects or uh, or with our clients are opportunities, and it's an opportunity to show person on the other side of the table what you're made of and and that you're going to step up to the plate and you're going to fix their problem or your problem and make it right and and at the end of the day that's that's how you earn respect and how you build those relationships
1: so one of the things we didn't have a chance to get into is that you know you guys a lot of times you talk to entrepreneurs that are monomaniacs on a mission in other words all they're really focused on is their business But you guys are good family, man. You're involved in the community. You're trying to have, you know, you're involved in church. You're trying to have a a well-rounded life. Um, But community is really important to you. Why is it important for leaders to stay focused on the community? Brad, you 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 can hit that one.
3: Yeah, I, I think um, you know if you're going to build your business, you you've got to build it around your community, and and it's a, relationships are a two way street. And so we ask people to take a chance on us and give us an opportunity to do work for them, and um and they were you know they they blessed us with that opportunity, and so now we we owe it to them and we owe it to the entire community for us to to try to reinvest in the community and try to give back and and make sure that it's always a two way street. Uh, that's just the way that we
1: kind of approach our relationships. That's a great way to say that, David. What would you add to that? I agree.
2: Uh, I mean, it's all about uh, from a from our environment here at work and trans transforming that out in the community. I mean, it, you earn your relationships and your respect uh, by your character. And, uh, you know, you, you can only define your character to a certain extent uh, in your in your workplace. Uh, it takes a balance of. Uh, your workplace and as well as the community and and what you contribute to that community. And I firmly believe that your contribution into the community pays dividends back into your company. So that's just something that Brad and I has always been on the same page on.
1: I think there is no doubt about that, that um, it pays back in ways you never even fully appreciate because you're making a difference in the community and you're connecting your company to the community in a way that makes it more in tune with what's going on and it uncovers opportunities it strengthens relationships and all of that but anyway david machado and brad patano of machado patano thank you so much for sharing your story with us this morning it's truly really inspiring and congratulations on your success and good luck to uh, the opportunities that are yet to come thank you ricky thanks ricky great okay Okay. we'll uh we'll see you uh tomorrow thank you have a great day
4: broadcasting safe and sound from the coastal mississippi studios this is coast view with ricky matthews on super talk 103.1 a super talk mississippi media production